Hello, Sci-Fi fans. This is Penny Johnson Gerald from The Orville, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Hey, Doc, you better back up. We don't have enough road to get up to 88. Rose, we don't need Rose. Science fiction is an existential metaphor. It allows us to tell stories about the human condition. Isaac Asimov once said, individual science fiction stories may seem as trivial as ever to the blinder critics and philosophers of today. But the core of science fiction, its essence has become crucial to our salvation. Tell me, how many lights you see? Ah! Ah! Lights! So this is how liberty dies. Thunderous applause. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And good evening. I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And I'm Dave Sellers. And it's Guys Night at the Diner. Guys Night. Yeah, bring <laughs> out the bear. Um, uh, with social distancing and takeout and everything else, but... You know, there's there's at least six feet between Dave, Miles, and I, so we should be good. Um, way more yes. than six feet, let's say that. So, so Miles, what's on our menu? We're a diner. People want to know what they're dining on tonight. Yeah, take it so, away. Uh, yeah, we so we're going to talk about what's going on in our sci-fi world. We got release dates for Star Trek Discovery and Star Wars: The Mandalorian, which I'm excited about. Uh, season three of the Seth MacFarlane's Orville, is it to be the last? Question mark. And Seth MacFarlane also, um, he signed a, a huge deal with uh, NBC Universal. Dave and I will talk about our first thoughts about uh, Star Trek Lower Decks. And we are going to drop our Penny Johnson's World interview that we did at Farpoint this year. Which will be absolutely fantastic. And what happens with that, sometimes if we end up getting a little bit long-winded in the show, sometimes it'll drop as a separate episode, but we'll uh, we'll decide that close to the time. Uh, but either way, you'll get that interview either in this episode or the episode that immediately follows. And it'll be a standalone then. But, right. Yeah, so very, very, very good. So uh, let's start with the appetizers. What's going on in our sci-fi world? Dave, do you want to start us out? Certainly. Um Lower Decks, biggest new thing. Can't wait to talk about that later. Um, for you fans out there who are fans of uh, RPG games like Dungeons & Dragons and things like that, um, if you ever checked out Star Trek Adventures, um, I haven't got to play it yet, but I've read through enough and it looks pretty interesting. But if you go on to HumbleBundle.com, I believe the sale is still running. For 20 bucks. I got... Digital copies of everything Modifius has released for that game yet. All the campaigns they put out, the core rule books, all of the uh, supplemental uh, the supplemental books that come with it. Um, really a very sweet deal if you're looking into that, if you're into that kind of stuff. Um, one of the other big things I've been doing lately is... is uh, did a big lot of a whole lot of tabletop gaming here in the last couple of weeks. Um, I got uh, Fallout from Fantasy Flight Games, based off the video game. It's got a solo mode to it. It plays like the video game in a lot of ways. It is. It was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. 
Um, played two new ones with my brother last weekend. Uh, the one was called Tapestry. It's like a civilization building game. Challenging and, and, and a lot of fun. And then he had another one called Photosynthesis, where the, the, the game, the object of the game is you're building and growing trees. It's a very interesting premise, but very challenging and, and what was a uh, was it was a pretty fun game. I'd play it again. Um, but other than that, that's really been about it. Work's been keeping me busy enough, and busy enough that I pass out when I get home to sleep. <laughs> so the humble to be to be to answer your question, humble bundle is still running. Five days left of it. So by the time I get this out, probably only a day or two left. Um, it is. Is it an online game, or is it like uh, the virtual copy of books that you get? It's it's a digital copy. They're PDF files. Okay. That you can download and go. But right. it, it's yeah, it's a Star Trek version of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, very good. Yeah. So when are we going to play that, Dave? What's that? When are we going to play that? As soon as we get to coming back to each other's houses and playing. Hey, I'm all for it. I'd be open. Yeah, for, I would be together. open for it. I could. I know I could wrestle Bob into it. We could go. There you go. So if you're up we'll for it, if you are, yeah, well, that's what it's, well, after the podcast, we'll set up a time, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Miles, what's going on in your sci-fi world? So it's going to sound like a lot, but we haven't been together in a few weeks. So I was able to get a lot of sci-fi watching in, uh, Netflix dropped, uh, Umbrella Academy season two. I watched all that. That was very good. I think it's even better than the first season. I did not uh, watch the first. Would I like knowing me, Miles, would I like Umbrella Academy? Yes, I, I think you would, Scott. So I, I think really, get, I, I do have to give it a chance. I didn't know, I did not watch the first yeah. season either. But. Um, M, M watched it; she likes it too. So I think, I think we all kind of have similar tastes in that regard. So yeah, I think, I think this would appeal to you. Okay. Uh, Angel, Mar, watching Marvel Agents of Shield. Uh, their last episode dropped uh, last evening. I haven't seen it yet. It's the two-hour series finale, but it was a fun season. They did a lot of time travel with it they had a lot of fun with it um sad to see it go i mean this last season was probably the best because with all time travel fun stuff they did but but it's been a good season star girl watching that um i think it's their season there's yeah their season finale was recently i think it's a very well written show it's not just about high school superheroes it's about the adults also and it's a lot of looking back at the justice league lore from way back when there's a lot of good references from Classic stuff uh, people will be familiar with. Caught a couple DC animated movies, uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. That's the last one in that series. They kind of, they're kind of, kind of, kind of rebooting the franchise, I guess, with uh, Man of Tomorrow. But that was kind of like the last one. Um, it's been kind of its own universe the, for, for a while, but uh, let's just say they, they're rebooting it basically. Uh, watched Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and that was that was entertaining. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I'm reading the Star Trek Discovery novel Die Standing by John Jackson Miller, and he he won a literary award for that not too long ago. Uh, he was on the podcast with us reviewing um, uh, the Caged. And the next Star Trek book I'm going to read, I just uh, bought it recently, um, and it's a Star Trek, and, and Dave, you'll like this a lot. It's a Kelvin Timeline Universe novel. Of course. Uh, it's called <laughs> More Beautiful Than Death by David Mack. <laughs> Dave's favorite Star Trek comes from the Kelvin Universe. 
Patak of a universe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, you, you speak about how John Jackson was on talking with us about um, the cage. We have Voyager coming up next show, right? Uh, actually, D Space Nine. Oh, is it D Space Nine? Why not Voyager? I thought Voyager came before D Space Nine. No. Oh, hell no. Okay. See, like, I got it mixed up. Okay. So, D Space Nine, who are we getting on the show to talk about that one? Um, I'm going to try to reach out. I'm, I'm going to be silent on who just yet. I'm going to try to reach out to somebody, see if he can do it. Um, if he can't, we'll. I'm sure we'll be. Able, I'm sure we'll get. We'll, we'll get an, a Star Trek novel author of note to uh, join us. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, talk about it. So, are we looking like two weeks, like two Tuesdays from like this past Tuesday? Yeah, and I think that would be August 25th. Would be the next time we would be uh, scheduled to record. All right, right after school starts, I'll be raring to go. Let's do it. You'll need to after that. I'll need something to vent with. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, no, I think that's awesome. That's awesome. Very good. Well, I'm excited. I, I, I'm going to try, based on your recommendation, Umbre- Umbrella Academy. Now, it's age-appropriate for us. A, a little bit over the top for Kiefer? It might be. Okay. Y- yeah. It's a little It's a little PG-13. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Very good. Uh, so uh, my sci-fi world. Uh, so a lot of Doctor Who. So since we've last recorded the podcast, I don't know if I was watching Doctor Who. Then over the summer, Kiefer and I will do lunch together, and we will watch a, a Doctor Who episode. And we just finished the David Tennant Doctor Who. Um, did either of you guys watch Doctor Who? No, yes. I never got into it. Okay. I watched from the Christopher Eckerson. Um, a little bit of Matt Smith. Okay, so we we just we just fit, we're, we're in the Christmas episode that David Tennant leaves. Um, so uh, that's kind of where we're at, and I just I forgot how much I enjoyed Tennant. I just enjoy his acting. Like when I watch I watch Good Omens on Amazon. Did either of you guys see that? No, not um, yet. Yeah, keep talking it, about it. It it is it's well worth it. Only because David Tennant is so phenomenal, and he sued David Tennant, right? And so I've just really been appreciating uh, David Tennant, and I like Matt Smith too. So I'll be—it'll be interesting, you know, seeing him, uh, you know, do Doctor Who again. We watched the series once before. Um, I so I watched it by myself, and then I watched it with Kiefer once before, and now we're watching it again. So he—I've seen it like three times. Um, so that's been a lot of my TV. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Um, um, there was a there was a weird one. There was, this is an Amazon one, and I forget the name of it, but it was Sandra Block in it, and it's like a TV series, and it's kind of mysterious. The government's doing something. It's a little bit X Files type of feel. So I was watching that. I forget the name of it. You know, listeners are going to be screaming at me that, hey, this is it. But I don't I don't remember the name of it. And we okay. didn't finish it. We watched like the first four episodes and then I just kind of lost interest or didn't make the time to watch it. Um, I am reading. Um, I just finished for the first time uh, The Sword of Truth uh, by Terry Goodtine. Uh, just the first book. And uh, it's kind of hailed as being one of the quintessential fantasy novels. Um, and I'd watched Legend of the Seeker, uh, but this is the first time I've read the book completely. And 
like many novels of first authors when they're establishing their world, it feels like a slog fest at times, but I really enjoyed the book as a general rule. Um, so there was that. I read that. Um, I finished the uh, second Harry Potter book, and I'm reading Tales of Dune right now, which is like a collection of short stories. So kind of anticipating the movie coming out in November, supposedly. Um <laughs> The uh, kind of getting ready for the dude movie. So that's kind of my sci-fi world. And I'm playing League of Legends, Settlers of Catan online, and Pokemon the trading card game. That's my gaming right now. Cool. So, yeah. I enjoyed David Tennant. He played the villain in the first season of Jessica Jones. He played a character called Kilgrave. And... I, I thought he, you know, he killed it. I mean, he was, uh, you know, he the only power he had, and it's a, it's a great power, is basically he could tell somebody to do something and, and, and they would obey him. And so, and, and he was, played this mentally imbalanced um, individual and he had this ability to do this. So, oh, good. he was a little scared. So he, he he was great at the, as Kilgrave in, in the first season, Jessica Jones. Yeah. Well, he was in one of the Harry Potter movies too, right? I think the um, the one where you first actually meet uh, the Chamber of Secrets, I think is the name of it. So I think he was in that one. Uh, I can't speak to that. Yeah. So... And he's been in a, he's been in like broad church, which I never saw. It wasn't necessary sci-fi, so why would I watch it, right? Uh, it's part of the difficulty. My wife and I sit down to watch something, and it's like, um, yeah, what are we watching tonight that we have in common? It's very difficult. We don't have a lot in common, so I end up watching like documentaries and history stuff, which I'm okay with too. But uh, hey, did any of you guys watch? Speaking of that, the only other this isn't sci-fi. It's kind of real sci-fi, I guess. Did any of you guys watch the space jump that SpaceX did where they had a rocket like launch and hop over like a hundred meters or so? No. no. That's news to me. Yeah, so I mean I follow a lot of space. It's just it was about a week ago. They call it a space hop or a space jump. They basically had a rocket take off and laterally like stay upright and go over like a hundred meters or plus or so and then land on another launch pad. Um and uh, they did it successful, and it was kind of cool to watch. I guess maybe that's technology that's kind of new. That's cool. So it is kind of cool. But. That would be wonderful for our space program. Yep. Yep. All right. So that's it. That's my sci-fi world. Cool. All right. Very good. So let's talk about, we have some, Miles, I understand we have some release dates to share. Yes, so I'm excited about this. Uh, Discovery comes back October 15th, and Star Wars The Mandalorian comes back on October 20th. And I don't have it written here, but uh, Star Trek um, Strange New Worlds will start filming in 2021. Okay. So let's talk about Star Trek Discovery. When we last left Discovery the last season, what was going on? Discovery and Enterprise were dealing with um, these, these these Section 31 drones that have been compromised, and they're trying to get Discovery 
to the distant future. So control this this AI program that Section Thirty One utilizes uh, can't can't do you know basically destroy pretty much everything. And so they're going to take I guess what's left of it into into the distant future. Uh, what um, uh, Michael Burnham she is in the, that that uh, that that Red Angel time suit, and so she's she's flying by herself. That into she flies by herself into this time rift, and Discovery flies into it after. And it's the the image is very beautiful. I mean, it, they're flying up into it. It's almost got like religious connotations as far as the the imagery goes. And so that last left uh, Michael Burnham and the crew Discovery. Okay, so we pick up way in the future, which will be an interesting place for Star Trek to be. Right. And this gives them, they're not beholden to anything in the past. They don't have to worry about being accused of breaking canon. Um, no, no. They're going right. to a time period that has not been explored. They could do whatever they want. And um, and, and it looks like what, what we've been shown so far looks very interesting. That's good. I'm wondering to see if they're going to tie the, uh, the AI thing that the discovery is holding into the uh, the major advanced AI you saw in the end of Picard somehow. That's I've also saw a fan theory about since Picard has this this android body where he you know can live and uh, theoretically live a long time. Um, could we possibly see Picard in Discovery? <laughs> uh, now I found out that 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 Picard's android body will eventually, you know, it'll it'll die a normal human death. But I got a feeling that Picard's going to find a way to exploit the advantages of this android body. Oh, maybe, maybe. Interesting. So we have the Mandalorian coming out the twentieth. Um, do we know anything about this? Like where we're picking up when we pick up with the man? I mean, last I saw. Um, Mando and 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 his team were able to escape this this um, this Imperial officer trying to to grab uh, the child. Right. Now, now we, we see the Imperial officer. We, he's played by a guy you and I, Scott, have interviewed before, yeah. uh, John Carlo Esposito. Yeah. So I th- I think he's he's going to be good in that role. So um, they left things off there. Right. Um, so we'll There's see. talk of Ashoka, Ahsoka coming co- coming be in in season two of the Mandalorian two. Well, I think that's more than talk. They hired um, I forget who they hired, but they hired someone into to play Ahsoka in season two. So I think that that's Rosario Dawson. Yeah, Rosario Dawson. Like I think it's going to be a pretty good shoe in for it. So. Yeah, oh, I yeah. think yeah. So that'd be good to see that character come back. Yeah, it'd be great. Well, we've seen her in kind of so many of the animated series. And the only we've never actually seen her in a live action series. Um, the best we've seen is we've heard her. We heard her voice in the last movie. Hey, I got a question for you. This actually brings up a question. What's this deal with them kind of dismissing the last three movies and rebooting the franchise discussion that's going on? Like seriously, this is probably a show all in itself. But what 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 the hell? Well, I heard the same rumor 
I, I don't, I, I don't know how they could feasibly do that because if they, if they figure out a way to successfully do that, tell Paramount how to do that so they can, you know, get rid of the JJ verse and kind of start fresh <laughs> again. Learn from Star Trek. <laughs> but, uh, not going to happen. Yeah. Not going to happen. I, I don't see it. I think they've done enough damage that they're better off just moving forward at this point. Leaving the Skywalker storyline alone. Yeah. Leave it alone. I mean, but if they do do it, if they do want to do it, they had darn well better do it right. Right. I mean, I mean, they, they, if they're going to, they got to go all in, nothing held back and get somebody who's going to run the thing across all three movies and, and really keep, keep a tighter rein on, on the, on the connectivity between the movies on the scripting process. Yeah. yeah on the scripting process and then the storyline and, and all that. I mean, but it's Disney. Who knows? They got whatever money they want to throw at it. Right. It's not like they're hurting for cash. No, so that's the truth. This is news to me. So they're talking about the, the rumor is the last three films that they would kind of excise from, from Canon. Yeah, they're and, just going to pretend it never happened and, and start over with episode a, seven again. It would be, it, it, again, it's, it's, a, it's alleged, and maybe it's fans' wishful thinking, but it's been picked up by uh, by different outlets and makes you kind of say, hmm, maybe, you know. Yeah. So, I don't, know. The, I don't one, know. the one thing I did like was that TikTok user that went and retitled all the movies. Did you did, did you see did you see that? No. Yeah, where they where so all he did was switch the titles of the movies around. Let me see if I can find this real quick, and I'll I'll, I'll give it to you. All right. So yeah, the, the, a fan did that. So um, he ran through the entire mainline Star Wars series, rearranging the titles of every film, providing a reason for each switch. For example, he, he argued that Episode Two, Attack of the Clones, should be instead Revenge of the Sith saying we find out the Palpatine leader of the Sith has ordered an army to destroy the Jedi. In Revenge of the, um, Revenge of the Sith, uh, um, Revenge of the Sith. So it should be like, attacking clones should be Revenge of the Sith. Later he remarked that episode six, Return of the Jedi, should be changed to the last Jedi because both Yoda and Anakin die, which makes Luke the last Jedi. When it comes to the sequel trilogy, he asserts that episode uh, seven should be the Empire Strikes Back because after the Empire is destroyed, a new Empire comes. So it's kind of that. Um, okay. So the revised sequence of titles proposed by fake Disney facts would be episode <laughs> one, episode one, The Rise of Skywalker, episode two, Revenge of the Sith, episode three, Attack of the Clones, episode four, Return of the Jedi, episode five, The Force Awakens, Episode six, The Last Jedi. Episode, uh, episode seven, seven uh, The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, episode eight, A New Hope, and episode nine, The Phantom Menace. Ah, and they actually make sense. That, that, it really does. <laughs> I know. <That's, laughs> it really does. It does. So. So yeah. Anyways, I, I just thought that was interesting. He wasn't even on a list. That's for free tonight. But yeah. But but anyways. So yeah. So they actually play the clips, and I don't watch it. I saw it on news. I don't have a TikTok account, 
because I don't want China spying on me like no one else right. is. Uh, Facebook. That's I don't right. want you Facebook, Facebook, Google. I don't want anyone spying on me. Just they kidding. can't spy on our citizens. Only we can spy on our citizens. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's move on to other news. We have news of Seth MacFarlane and the Orville, which we love. Yes. Uh, rumored to be our last season, season three. Yeah, but it's only because Hulu, which is going to inherit uh, the the Orville, uh, doesn't have a plan for a season four. So I would think that this doesn't necessarily mean it's the end of the Orville. If if McFarland could find another network to pick it up, which looks like he's going to be working for a new, he is working for a new network soon. Um, I can't, can't see why they wouldn't want to keep putting out the Orville. Well, I'm looking at the, I look at what you highlighted in blue. Mm-hmm. It seems like he never planned to do it beyond the third season. Now money talks. I mean, if someone paid him enough, I'm sure he'd do it, but mm-hmm. well, I'm wondering if when he, contra- when he contracted with Hulu, that that was the big part of it. And then it was going to go from there. And then since Disney bought Hulu after that fact that they never expressed interest to doing it. And maybe McFar, maybe they've got an issue with McFarlane period with, you know, with his style of humor and, 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 and entertainment that they, uh, that's why he went to look for an NBC and left right away. Right. I mean, he wasn't with Hulu very long. No, he yeah. wasn't. It's, it, it's, it's interesting. Like they, they make note in the article, too, that he's obviously known for Family Guy and American Dad, that Orville is his most successful live-action show to date. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and as much of a Star Trek fan as he is, I, I can't... I, it's hard to fathom that he wouldn't want to do more. Yeah, I, 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 I think of the same thing, too. Yeah. I well, mean, we'll it's... Yeah, I mean, it's hit with the fans. The ratings are good. Um, you go to any of the conventions we go to, there's a lot of people cosplaying uh, the Orville. Uh, they did say that there won't be any big cliffhanger, that all the storylines kind of, uh, I guess, will be wrapped up at the end of season three. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. It just in the just in case kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah, so it seems like, uh, but and I like this. Uh, you have this down in the article too. Uh, Orville's ratings actually increased the second season, which proves the show was and will continue to be remembered as anything but a waste of space. So, I mean, I I don't know that I watched the second season. I don't know why I didn't get around to it. Probably life, but um, the first season was phenomenal, and uh, and I liked the first season. So, if if the second season was even better, then you know, yeah. It, it, the second season took on a more less fart joke, more Trek feel to it. Okay, especially especially toward the end of the season, um, with the Kalon stuff and everything, it 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 got really good. Right, it got really good. And yeah. it would be such a shame if it ends at three. Yeah, yeah I, I I think the Orville it does a good job of balancing humor but also doing the social commentary episodes and um yeah in a very tos fashion too yeah very tos even a little tng yeah um and yeah so i i, I would i hope it's not the i hope it's not it for the warble 
So, so let's talk about him signing you know, a two hundred million dollar TV deal with NBC Universal, right? Um, we don't have any like he had the Family Guy, American Dad, Ted, the Orville, right? Um, but we don't have any idea like what show that he's actually going into uh, to uh, do for NBC, right? No, we don't know. It's kind of nebulous. Yeah, it, it's very vague. Now, do you think they would really hire him just because of Seth MacFarlane, or do you think he's going in there with a couple of ideas he's pitching? I, I think it's the latter. I think he, he's got some ideas, and he sold NBC on it. I mean, he, he's he's had you know a hit with uh, Family Guy and some and the, and the spinoffs. And, and the Orville. Um, I mean, then NBC's not giving him two hundred million dollars uh, because he's Seth MacFarlane. They're giving him right. because he has something. He has something to offer. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, th- I think he probably had a great sales pitch and plans of possible future projects, and I'm sure that that's why there. That's why he's two hundred million dollars. I mean, he has to have something that they think. Yeah. He he can uh, help them with. Not to mention, like if someone would sign me for two hundred million dollars to do something, I think there is an incredible amount of pressure that comes with a price tag like that. You know, you got to make you got to make that stuff happen. Then, right? You right. got to produce. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, again, we're talking NBC Comcast, so it's it's not you know two hundred million dollars is a heck of a lot of money, and even you know. For them who have a you know a, a butt ton, to, that's, yeah, that's still a hefty price tag. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, very good. See. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. All right, let's talk about Star Trek Lower Decks, or we should maybe we're actually say let's talk about what you guys thought of Star Trek Lower Decks. So first of all, <laughs> let's set set. Uh, does someone want to give me the uh, premise of the show and? Um, and then a little bit of a summary of the uh, first episode. Yeah, so it's a uh, it's an animated series. Um, revolves around a bunch of junior officers, ensigns, and whatnot, and their misadventures and comedic uh, shenanigans. We'll call it um, on board a starship, and. It's it is not like any trek you have ever ever watched before. I mean, the whole thing is is a giant comedy show. Even the opening credits, when you know you're used to watching a Star Trek series, and you you know you, the credits are rolling, the theme music's playing, the ships flying through space, they're bouncing off a a uh, ice piece of ice or something off of like a comet tail. They're hitting that and bouncing off. They're flying, doing the old nice slow flyby, and they got some giant space alien creatures sucking off their warp nacelles. You know, it, it, it's it's comedic the whole it's way the, through. It's the opposite of, like, other openings of Star Trek shows. The ship is flying gracefully in the oh, stars. Yeah. The ship's getting hit by meteorites or um, <laughs> pieces of space ice or whatever. It's uh, not graceful at all. They fly into a Romulan and Borg battle, and they quickly turn around and just hightail it out of there. It's, 
That was funny. funny. That was funny. It's funny. I, and I love the, the, the whole opening. They're using like the next generation font on their opening credits. So it's looking like, <laughs> you know, we're taking this right out of TNG or something and just goofball stuff going on. It's, it's, it's funny. It's funny. But they have, uh, it's centered around four characters. Um, it's only the second episode in, so I couldn't even tell you their names right now. But uh, the one is, is Mr. Starfleet. He's studying all the time. He wants to be a captain. He's trying to be all serious and gets a little ahead of himself. The other one, I guess, used to be a senior officer and then got demoted and sent down to the bowels of the ship to work. Her mom's the captain. Ensign Mariner. Ensign Mariner. That's it. And uh, those two are always going at, you know, going at each other. One guy who's an engineer who's a half a cyborg, and he's very, very thrilled with what he does. Um, and then you got a young, I guess she's an Orion, I think, if I remember right. Yeah. Uh, medical officer who is just so excited to be there and is just thinks everything is awesome and is so exciting. And it, it's, it's funny. It, it's very funny. All right. So is there like a, is it like, is it more like a sketch comedy or is this like a, is there like actually a storyline that the series seems to be following? Um, I, don't, I think it's, it's very episodic. Like, they're not generally like I have, I mean, it's two episodes in, so I don't know. Right. There doesn't appear to be an overarching storyline, but each episode does have a, a storyline that it goes through and you're just watching these goofball junior officers trip over themselves and do silly things. And it's, it's, it's comical. It's comical. It's the, the best way I could almost explain it is anybody who ever works in a hierarchy, any kind of, of hierarchy at their job site, especially in a trade field. The difference between the way the top and the executives act and behave, you know, they'd be your senior officers on the ship. You know, they're trying to be prim and proper and all this nice stuff. And then you got the grunts on the ground who are actually doing the work. Yeah. I'm in the middle of working in a construction site. I see it every day and it just mirrors it. It mirrors it wonderfully. Right. So as far as, uh, is this, uh, is this to your understanding? And I haven't been really following like, like authors and other people that I would, that should be gauging. this also, do you feel like this, the show is connecting with Star Trek fans, uh, polarizing for it because it's like not really Star Trek. It's more like comedy Star Trek. I mean, how, how are, how, I have, Go ahead. Yeah, I haven't seen like usually in like especially in some of the the groups I'm in in Facebook where they'll be trashing everything that's not you know from from enterprise on down. I haven't seen any negativity toward this. Now I might be missing it, but I haven't seen it. Right. I don't well, know. I don't know if Miles is a different experience or not. I think it's I'm seeing Maybe 50-50, maybe a little better, favorable, and maybe maybe a little less favorable. That's kind of what I mean. Oh. It's polarizing, I think. So, uh, that's what I would call it. So in, in what ways, Miles, in your opinion, what ways would you view 
Uh, why why is this polarizing for Star Trek fans? Um, I guess I'm going to give my opinion here. The the tone is so di- different in this show than in any other Star Trek show because the, the the comedic element it's just it, it takes the silliness to a whole new level and um I, I mean I it does it that it, it, you know and I think that maybe that's that's a turn off I mean. I know for me, I, I, I guess I'll give my opinion now. I didn't love it. Um, I thought it was, I, I, I like the animation and I'm open. I'm always open to new Star Trek and the show will give you some good Easter eggs, but the tone is just so silly. It's just, I, I'm kind of lost. It kind of loses me. So I think maybe for some people, I, I think th- well, I- th- there, there is that, um, that, that is just the, the tone of the show is just so different than other past Star Trek shows. I, I can definitely, definitely see that. And so you it, either like, you yeah. either really like it or you, you don't. Yeah. I think that's what I, and that's what I kind of, I kind of heard that too, that it was very, it's very silly, but if you're used, I mean, Star Trek in general is pretty serious, right? Even the animated series came off as, you know, being somewhat serious, right? And not that there wasn't humor because there certainly is a lot of humor in Star Trek, but we're not, we aren't talking about like this type of humor, which is kind of the slapstick comedy in Star Trek is kind of, this is new and fresh and perhaps, perhaps needed, but, or maybe not depending on what it is. So, yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see where it goes from here and, and how it does after the first season is completely out just to see what, what the reaction is to it. But I mean, if, if you're seeing like a 50, 50 split that again, it's Trek. So I am not shocked. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be that's shocked probably, by that at all. That's probably like discovery. There was a 50, 50 split when discovery came out. Right. I mean, it, it's, I mean, Ed Miles said it best a while back when, you know, we are certainly a contentious bunch and, you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, they'll hate it, but don't go on it. They're they'll still watch it. Right, it's track, so they'll watch it. Right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, we'll we'll even watch what we consider bad Star Trek at times. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. Or, or not. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say, you know, at least the, at least we have the Kelvin timeline to go back to and want good track. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk about polarizing. <laughs> Woo! That's right. Yeah. That's right. Um, I've said this a few times. If you, you get four Trekkies in a room, you're going to get five different opinions. Yeah. Um, Pretty much. Pretty um, much. There seems to be a, I mean, yeah, like, like Dave said, it, it, it is mostly episodic, but I, I think there's going to be kind of a ongo- ongoing um, serialized part that the cap, the, the, the captain is the, the mother of the one ensign that got busted down and she, 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 she's asking one of the other ensigns to kind of keep an eye on her. So it's like, that's, I, you, you know, it does, it doesn't seem to be the motives are pure. So that's, and there, there, so it looks like that, that's going to be a reoccurring theme throughout the series. Um, Jerry O'Connell from sliders. Oh yeah. Uh, he, he's, 
He's one of the voices. Okay. Voice actors for this. Yeah. Who's he voicing there? He, he's the second. He's the first officer. Yeah. By the way, I uh, just okay. I just saw that they're doing a Sliders reboot. I did. I saw uh, it come down the news. That should have been in our news, but a slider was a reboot, which I I could, I, I, I could get. I'd love to see it. I could get behind because sliders was kind of like it was like Stargate. Every different thing, you're in a new world. You're dealing with a new situation, and times altered slightly, and you're figuring it out. It's kind of it's parallel universe. It's 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 like a it's 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 a wide open field, and I. I know that it kind of went off the rails at the end, but I, it's a show that, in my opinion, is worthy of reboot. But oh, I agree. I, I think I think the first two seasons of Sliders were the best when it was the the, the, the original four, and they're they're exploring a different Earth, a different world, where that you like you said. I mean, it's just you could explore something different every episode. Uh, you know, and and reboot I I, I like. I don't want to. The idea of trying to go back and doing yeah. a sequel or whatever from the original series, I think, I think it's just best to let that go and, and st- start start a new and start afresh. Um, I hope it happens. I would I would be delighted. If it'll it'll totally depend on the cast. The cast has to have that right. It has to be the right chemistry because I mean, it was you had you had very different people with different roles. They're going to have to do that, and you're going to have to have the people connect in the right way for it to really take off. Mm-hmm. Yes, and th- and the writers have to have a um, a clear vision, um, yep. and hopefully, you know, stick to what made the ri- the first two seasons great was the idea of them going to a different Earth every time and experiencing what that was like. Uh, I-, I think the episodic the the, the episodic. Um, tone was probably work work best for that show they tried to go a little more serialized and it kind of went off the rails a bit i thought i mean there was this continual idea of them coming home right them wanting to get back home but right but but ultimately what it did is is that show much like star trek like you go back and watch that show now it's political commentary and the things that were important to us at that time so you're dealing with 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 uh, the Russians and the and the communists, and you're dealing with um, some disease. You're dealing with free speech, and you're dealing with all sorts of issues that are current. Um, I would hope that if they do do it again, it would continue to do. Okay, let's say our society went an extreme thing this way. You know, where we are biochipping everyone, or where we are where the elderly are to kind of discounted, or you know, do some, something like that that would that would make us stop and pause a little bit because I think for me, some of the best sliders episodes did that for me, made me stop and pause a little bit and say, Oh yeah, well reality TV or TV court or whatever, you know, just the silliness of it all. And uh, there's a, I think there's a lot that it's in a way, a lot like star Trek comments on current society. They were commenting on some of the same different issues, but uh, I would hope that they do the same thing for that. Oh, there's a tremendous opportunity to tell some, tell and explore some great social commentary and explore the human condition, if they do that. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. We'll see if it gets off the ground. I I, I saw it come down a news site that it that uh, that they're that they're looking at that. So I don't even know if there's any casting. Because again, I've been following it very very loosely here. So. Mm-hmm. 
But do we have anything more to say about uh, Lower Decks? Because I did not. Um, well, I did. Dave, did you like it? I, I, I do. I, I really do. At least right now. Um, <laughs> for me, the big thing... The, the big thing for me anymore is I, I, I go on social media, like I go online and, and it's nothing but negativity and garbage. And it's, it's nice to see. I, I like the fact that my, my first love of my life, my favorite thing, Star Trek is making me laugh. It's 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 a it's a spot of joy every week that way, where I you know I can I can enjoy my favorite show in a comedic way, and, and even relate to it a little bit because you know it's the guys working in the trenches, the guys who are there, and just think the goofiness and the stuff we have to do to make the mundane amicable, you know. So I I relate to it a little bit more like that. And and it's 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 enjoyable for me right now. We'll we'll see how how it goes if it starts getting a little too ridiculous. But yeah, but yeah. Oh, that's good. Oh, good. If you liked it, but you know, more yeah. power to you. Yeah, yeah. So I guess the question is, Miles, are you going to continue to watch it? Uh, I've, I've watched the first two episodes. I kind of feel like I have to watch it. You know, just to kind of. I'm afraid I might miss something. Yeah, he, he, you're afraid you might have to hand in your Trek like bag. Like, I get that. Hand in your red shirt. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like I lose geek credit if I don't watch it. Well, there, there's been talk of, and and Dave, maybe you can help with this. I I'm not sure which. I know it, it appears to take place before Picard because they don't have. Yeah. The uniforms look like the post nemesis uniform that but pre picard uniform yeah looks like those so it's i'm not sure when when this takes place maybe you know it's, it, it, it is between it's between nemesis and picard for sure um just some of the references i picked up uh, through the show like with all their little easter eggs and stuff they make it all sound sound like everything Everything we've we've known through television before Picard that takes place before Picard is in past tense. So, mm-hmm. and yeah, the uniform thing definitely. Yeah, I mean, the uniform ship design, as even though it's a cartoon, right? But you know, it uh, it all leads me to believe that that's between between Nemesis and Picard. I think I read that somewhere, mm-hmm. actually. I can't remember where. Well, but good. there's talk of um, maybe other characters making appearances on this show. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Star Trek's all about bringing in cameos like that every once in a while. So. Oh, yeah. But, by the way, the story about the Sliders reboot, it hasn't officially been green- greenlit yet. But O'Connell and Rice Davies were reportedly discussing the reboot with NBC prior to COVID-19 pandemic. Um. And Rice Davies said, Jerry has been pestering me for a number of years, and we're actually talking to NBC at the moment to see if there's any possibility of rebooting the series. They're looking at the basic question of who actually owns it. 
At the moment, we don't seem to be able to find that out. I would do it again. It's just to show how it should be done. So it sounds like uh, Rice Davies and O'Connell well, are I would bored. Love it if. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so I, 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 as long as those two guys are, I, I would definitely on board. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I um, the show. What network was that? Was a Fox show, right? That was on Fox. It might have been. It was on. It was, but then it went to the Sci-Fi ah, Channel right. for its last. It did two seasons. Right. So I don't know. I you almost. So I would think NBC. It, would, it almost would be better to have him like be meant like be, not the sliders themselves, but almost like mentors of the sliders technology. So each world you would encounter them, but they would be slightly different versions of themselves, and you have a new crew of sliders sliding. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But it's interesting. Like Rice Davies wanted out after season two, and so it's uh. It's neat to see that he's in talks to be back. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, I would be happy if both, you know, they play different different kinds of char- different characters uh, on this new version and then have, you know, have some younger younger characters on there also. Um, Again, this is all speculation. There's only discussion. It's not green lit yet, but especially with NBC's Peacock service, like you do something maybe on NBC. Again, it's it often comes down to like who owns the rights to sliders. Okay. So and uh, and I suppose they, then they need to haggle that out. But, but uh, the actors good, are hopefully. interested, so we'll see. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be good. Hopefully, they put something decent on the flagship that well, you know, silly streaming network. Well, uh, they do have Battlestar Galactica coming. Well, this is true. So they do have that. They do have that. Got got, more content though. Yeah, well, they yeah. are. Cause I got ticked off because like we get it, you get it through your Comcast subscription here. Right. And the one thing they, they were advertising it almost as if you could watch like live sports. Right. Through Peacock. You can't, I mean, it's hockey playoffs and now I got to go. I mean, I got Hulu, so I get it all anyway, but right. I got a buddy of mine here who just was ticked off because he thought that they were, that you could watch them through there since NBC is running everything. Right. But nah, nope, nope, not, not a chance. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, uh, uh, anything else on Star Trek lower decks or are we ready to go into our interview here? Uh, I think we, we covered it. So we were talking about the Orville earlier in this podcast. And, uh, we have an interview from one of the stars of Orville miles. Do you want to introduce this young lady? Yes. So uh, Dave M and myself had the uh, pleasure and opportunity to speak with uh, Penny Johnson uh, Gerald at uh, Farpoint this past year, and we talked a lot about the Orville. We talked about T Space Nine. Uh, Dave uh, asked her a twenty a twenty four question. Twenty four. Yep. So mm-hmm. uh, and we we got some you know not not just quality time but some quantity time in, in talking with her. She she was a lot of fun. Um, so. Yes, so we, we got a chance to, to talk with uh, Penny Johnson Gerald uh, about the, the shows that we know and love her from, and um, it, it, it was great getting to get talked to her some. All right, yes. Her answer to my 24 question was the best answer I ever got from an interview question so far. It, it, it was it's it's funny. You guys you'll love the you guys are gonna love this interview. Okay, she, she was great. She was a tr- she, 
She was absolutely great. Good, good. Well, I can't wait to hear it. I unfortunately was not there, but that's awesome. So, very good. Well, awesome. Well, we're going to share this interview, and um, and then we'll come back and wrap up the show. Johnson, because I will start to yammer like an idiot. Because I adore you. Oh my God. Um, so I'll just shut up now and we'll, I'll let Miles introduce you. Mr. I'll just read a short intro and there's fire some questions at you. It's okay. That's absolutely okay. Great. Delighted to meet you, by the way. Pleasure. We're at Farpoint 2020 and we're hanging out with the lovely Miss Penny Johnson Gerald. Miss Gerald has been in many great sci fi shows. How are the ones? Fans know and love her for best are uh, a work in Star Trek D Space Nine and equally great Star Trek show, The Orville. Sorry, some people think Star- The Orville's great Star Trek. <laughs> the Orville, which comes back in Hulu for season three later this year. Uh, Ms. Gerald, welcome and thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Thank you for having me. This is Miles. I'm Em and this is Dave. Hey Dave, Em, Miles. Hello. We love the Orville. We love it for the stories and the humor. Can you tell us how you got the role of uh, Dr. Clara Finn? Well, I thought I got the role by coming in and having this fabulous conversation with Seth, but I soon, I, I found out that it was actually written for me. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, wow. So I, did, I didn't know all of that. Uh, Seth was a, a fan of Deep Space Nine and 24 and the Larry Sanders show. And so uh, he thought that Claire Finn was somehow all of these characters rolled up together. Mm-hmm. And so it was only after that um, cool. that I got, oh, he he wrote this for me. So this <laughs> didn't have to meet him. As a matter of fact, I'd met him and I forgot. He doesn't know that. So maybe <laughs> you ought to strike that one. So you got 24, you got 24 questions. Yeah. Sherry Palmer is my favorite character that you've portrayed in the works that I've seen. Very different from Dr. Finn and, and, and uh, Cassidy Yates from DS9. What was it like playing a very devious, undercutting character like that? Okay, let me answer that question with a sh- short question myself. Are you a parent? Yes. That's all it took. (laughs) 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 To be honest, um, our daughter was a teenager at that time, and I loved her so much, but I just didn't like her. And (laughs) And that just made it so easy to walk on the set and play Sherry Palmer. I have to give all of that credit to my kid. I, I get it. I get it. Okay. Actors find for inspiration. There you yeah. go. <laughs> what I've noticed with the Orville, sometimes after watching the show, sometimes sometimes I feel entertained, but other times I left thinking about what I saw and just asking about it. What do you think about the material and stories that are coming from the Orville? Uh, well, in the past, I have to say that's complete accurate. You're response to it and uh, what we are presently shooting I have to tell you if as you live in this life the longer you live you 
you see so many things that are different you see so many things that just haven't changed and i think what's wonderful about the orville is that it, it it's like a weeding um, game of issues where you think are we really going to have to deal with this 400 years from now we haven't found answers and then you're going to find uh, instances where I'm so glad we still do this because it roots us, it keeps yeah. us rooted. And so the issues that we deal with um, in the past and the ones that you are about to see, I, I believe beginning in September, are things that people want to know about, that people want to think about, uh, uh, things that people want to have a conversation. It's not something that you watch and then you forget what just happened. It's something that you watch and you want to you, you want to hang around and you want to talk about it. Like, did this happen to you? Or do you think this will happen to you? So I think that's the beauty and the genius uh, with the Orville. And I am thoroughly enter, uh, entertained by it, but I'm educated by it. I mean, it, it, it roots me into thinking and, it, and in accepting the differences in us and um, embracing what we hold dear. Yeah, um, I, it, other times I'm laughing my head off, other times I'm thinking really hard about what I saw. Absolutely. It's, it's a mirror. You're, you are examining self, and I think that that is a really good thing in science fiction. Um, a lot of people say, science fiction, let's, let's see how the technology, what goes with that. But I think that what's more important is to examine what's human about it, even though we're dealing with different aliens and different kinds of people, but we all have some some quality that's very human in us, and I think that's exciting to watch. Oh yeah, the older I get, the more I appreciate the exploring the human condition in sci-fi now. Oh, absolutely. We are a product of every single decision that we've made and every choice that we've made, and this is us at yeah. whatever age, and I, that's the same uh, in the future, the scientific world. Um, it is the product of everything that we are doing right now. With the show going, switching to Hulu, do you think the show will change much? I think the content of the show will not change much. I think that the viewing will change. And I say that um, because it will be uninterrupted. Uh, they will be longer, you know, um, so you get to examine more of the characters. Or as Seth puts it, Penny, because I was complaining, because I didn't know, what does this mean, this Hulu stuff, you know? And he said, Penny, it means I can stay in a close-up on your face longer. I went, okay, 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 I, I, I can do Hulu. <laughs> nice. Well, you still have a lovely face, and so Thank you. I'm all for that. One thing for me, uh, Cassidy Yates, I loved DS9, and there was the the ever-present argument with my brother, like, it's not Star Trek, it's only in one place, because it's not going anywhere. So there were lots of things that, that show was particularly a, a heating point for me, because I always thought this Cisco was just a little too big for his britches, and he drove me a little nuts that way. And then in comes Cassidy Yates, who I feel like was the perfect temper for, for Cisco, and there was there was just I remember a, a very heated argument between my brother and I that like I feel like that character the way you portrayed her and the way you brought what you brought to her really kind of mellowed him out just enough to get him to really see what was going on like 
as, as Star Trek fans do, we kind of over-personify the characters. But in, in retrospect, like I, I feel like the addition of your character and what you brought to her really mellowed out and kind of brought a feeling of, of, of home and familiarity and vulnerability to the to that world, to Cisco and that world, because it drove me crazy. Um, and I was curious, like, what, what brought you to, to Cassidy Yates? My husband brought me to Cassidy Yates. Um, <laughs> I was not a science fiction fan until Deep Space Nine. And that's only because uh, my husband said, go and meet these people and do that. And so that's what brought me there. However, to speak on the comment that you made about Cassidy coming in and bringing that, I think in essence you're talking about a balance. Yes. I think that um, you know when you are in, in a position of leadership and that role is constantly uh, plaguing you and you have a responsibility and an accountability, uh, accountability for that, I think a good sex life will really, you know, do it for you. <laughs> I remember that. I think that um, one thing that, um, you know, people remember Avery Brooks, at least people like me, you know, playing, uh, was it, he was like, and the hawk, you know, he would come on with that voice, and it was something that was very sexy about it. And you didn't see that. But when you bring on a love interest, you actually get to see a sex appeal. And not that a, a sex appeal just kind of brings you down, but it, it does balance you. It makes you not one-dimensional. You're now a three-dimensional human being who has a relationship. He's, he was already a single father, and he's already the leader of this. So to have someone else to come in to be able to have goo-goo eyes for, you know, or even talk shop because she was a captain, you know, in her own right, too, uh, I think, again, speaking to your point, was a fine balance. I loved it. Uh, it it warmed everything up a little. It felt when the, in those scenes where it was a family, and it didn't feel as it didn't have that sterile Star Trek feeling. It was much warmer. It was much homier. And I, I loved I, that was the shift for me to really deeply enjoy because I feel like more of that was was being developed with other characters in the show too. That was a that was a turning point for me to really embrace the show and love the show more. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, we have two minutes left. Oh, one more, one more time for one more question. Okay. Um, so we're looking forward to the Orb layer this year. Is there anything else for you that we can uh, plug that's coming up soon? I do philanthropic work all the time. Um, right now, you know, I have uh, charities and uh, one thing that is very important to me right now is, uh, and in light of Black History Month, is the fact that uh, people of color have come from slavery. And now I'm feeling like we're not far from that as far as I'd like for us to be, because I'm seeing so many young people being incarcerated, people of color, and that is a form of slavery. So um, that is what I am um, an activist for, uh, trying to 
educate young people so they don't find themselves in that position and also to be of help for those who do find themselves in that position and they don't know how to get out. Um, which is which is strange in a way uh, because when I was here in Baltimore, I was in the circus here in Baltimore, the art circus, and I would go through the community of Baltimore with pots and pans making music and we would uh, pitch tent and we'd have theater for inner city people all day long for a week. And then we, I took that theater company and we started going into the prison system and, um, and, and showing, bringing art and, and, and love. And I have to say that at this age, I'm kind of going back to that. And so that's, that's, that's what I enjoy. I think that's what I'd like to leave here. Uh, and um, as far as my career in acting, the Orville, when I say we are working overtime, we are truly, you guys are getting movies this season. So we do not have a moment free. Wow. I mean, truly, not a moment free. I am so surprised that they kept and honored me being away this weekend, but not so much so that they did let me off on Monday. I'm the 5.30 a.m. call time on Monday. Oh, no. The moment I leave here Sunday night, I'm wow. like, oh, let me sleep on the plane because I have to be clear fit at 5.30 in the morning. Well, we're yeah. delighted they let you keep that time off. <laughs> and thank you so much for putting that time in. Like, uh, I'm, I love the Orville because it's, it's the it's Star Trek with a lot more truthiness, a lot more uh, talking about items and things within our lives that are much more raw than I think we would ever see in Star Trek, except for like just now Discovery and, and Picard are following in that footstep as well. So that's it's to, it's it's a, not a guilty pleasure; it's a joyful pleasure. And when I meet people who don't like the show, I sit them down, I invite them over, I pour them a scotch, and say, "Just listen." <laughs> and I've converted a good number of friends. Because they, if you just listen, you're gonna get it, and I, I'm glad to see it's coming back. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, all right. Well, I believe that's about it. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the interview that we had with Penny Johnson Gerald. You're going to be able to see her again on Orville. Do we have an Orville release date yet? We do not. Um, I've been scouring the yeah, interwebs. And it, used, it was originally the end of 2020, but who knows? Right. So, but you will see her again in uh, in Orville when it does come back for season two on who. Very good. Well, next week, or not next week, two weeks from now, we will be reviewing uh, Deep Space Nine, which she was also a part of. Yep, she played uh, Cassidy Yates. Uh, she ended up marrying uh, uh, Captain Ben Sisko. Yep. Now, do we meet her in the first episode? We don't, do we? we? We don't. We don't see her probably till season three or four. Does that sound right, Dave? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's at least... At least three. Right. Yeah. Cause it was, um, yeah. she, she met him before he shaved his head and grew the goatee. Right. Right. So it's probably, yeah. Three. Yeah. Before cause yeah. Cause the premiere season four was when they brought Worf back in and I, and they were, they've been together before that. So yeah, season three. Okay. Definitely season three. Yeah. Very good. Well, good. Well, I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the interview and uh, you all will, we're talking D Space Nine in two weeks and the pilot of that. 
And uh, Miles is working on a special guest to join us for that show. So yes, I am. August cool. 25th is when we're, I guess, aiming to do that. All right. Well, I think that's about it. It's about time to wrap up the show. Uh, thanks, guys. It was great chatting with you. Same here. You guys yeah. well. I do I do miss the uh, the female presence in the show, but it was great to have a guy's night out at the diner. It's a nice change of once in a while. Yeah, a little change of pace. <laughs> Dave's like, yeah, boys. Push <laughs> But okay. Um, <laughs> uh, well, Miles, why don't you go ahead and take us out of the show before we derail too far? All right. Until next time, good night and good luck. We'll see ya. And go boldly. <laughs> <laughs>